Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around those damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get a podcast at. And if we're not on the you know platform that you're on, let me know. We'll get on there. You know that's how it works. Ask and you shall receive, kind of thing. So, and of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games, like and our dope giveaways. You like that pregnant pause, Mike? Oh wondering. yes. That's gonna. Get, I, I I'm curious how many people now are gonna like stop the car there, be like, wait, fuck, did I hit a dead zone? Like. My service go out like because trust me, I've done that multiple times whenever fuckers do that on podcasts that I listen to. They're like, they'll hit you with a pregnant pause. And I'm like, fuck, God damn it. Anyway, so uh, now I threw myself. off. So I fucked myself there. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I threw myself off with the pregnant pause. <laughs> I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peepak. Mike, what is good, my friend? What is going on? And... I never thought the day would come again, but I want you to tell me about a little game that we've gone back into fucking playing that I never thought that I, you and I would be playing together. At least I know I jump back into it every now and then because, you know, I just at that point, at least in that phase of the game, I was a glutton for punishment, you know, but what have we been playing, Mike? What have we gotten back into? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, we've actually been playing some, uh, Fortnite no build mode and you're goddamn right we have i feel like both of us have been enjoying it to a lot of different degrees mm-hmm. um i feel like adam made a good comment the other night when we were playing it that he was enjoying it a lot more than he thought he would mm-hmm. because the game just feels polished and mm-hmm. that's a pretty good description of it it just feels like a full complete game that is little that has little to no bugs it's a smooth gameplay a lot of the other games i've played whether it be even infinite um hunt showdown there's some different little things about those games where there's like these little hitches there's these little things that just throw the gameplay off just a tiny bit Mm -hmm. but um for all intents and purposes it seems like fortnite at least has been pretty devoid of that the sliding mechanic works pretty solidly there's little to no issues i've seen with that sprinting's pretty cool clambering's been working well for me so all in all like not only has the gameplay gotten better when you remove the building Mm -hmm. uh in my opinion but the game just feels super smooth and it just feels like a very good game where is there still lame ass bullshit like tanks and dumb shit yeah i mean obviously (laughs) that stuff's in there but i love when you get in the mood or whenever you get in the mood when we're playing and you're just pissed off with the tank stuff you know like you know what fuck it fire with fire get in the fucking tank let's go and you just start fucking macking everyone and i know your internal monologues like yeah you fucking like that you think that's fucking funny huh oh how do you like that getting fucking beat the fuck with a tank like you like that right off the rip huh i bet it's real fun 
Yeah, it's it's funny to kind of give people a little bit of their own medicine. Although I guess most of the people that are like offenders toward me, I never really get to give them full payback because they kill me with a tank or whatever. True, but um, no, like a lot of NPCs too. Yeah, and then there's some weird parts of the map where there's like the little air um, vents that blow you up in the air, and it kind of makes the gameplay a little wonky around that that area. But with it being developed, you know by epic in a in a cartoon not a cartoonish type of way but the type of game that fortnite is they're not going to remove all of that crazy fun stuff because i feel like they've always done a pretty good job at being cognizant of what the average person really wants out of their game which is something that i think other developers could really focus on if you're at a board meeting and you're kind of bringing it up as executives or whatever and saying to yourself, like, what the hell is Fortnite doing to keep all these people in there, keep all this money coming in? Like, what are they doing? They are super cognizant of appeasing both their casual and competitive player base at the same time. And I don't I don't I guess I don't I don't necessarily see the appeal because as a more casual person, even though I, I take it kind of serious, mm-hmm. I I'm completely out on building like I just don't want to bother with it because for me in almost all the video games I've played that's shooters even continuing today I play on 400 dpi in arm aim which is from playing uh like from rifling in csgo mm-hmm. when I played competitive csgo I was a rifle player and I played on a 400 dpi low sense because I, I use my entire arm for aim I feel like whenever you're an arm aiming player especially when it comes to building you need a higher dpi um to be able to do the 90s and and build like crazy and i just feel like it's not necessarily built for someone like me who plays with arm aim so and i don't play controller on that or apex uh, i just can't get the movement down i I lose too much movement although the aim is better because the aim assist Mm -hmm. i lose too much movement which bothers me a little bit but i digress um there's always going to be wonky and wacky stuff in with a game like Fortnite. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because they know their audience really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of what we're going to deal with going forward, even though they removed the building aspect, which was a great idea. Um, you know, you're still going to have your wacky and wonky stuff. So all in all, I've been really enjoying it. I don't see myself spending a ton of time. I'm just happy to have another thing like another game in the pipe for the four of us to really enjoy because I feel like it still allows like Kyle who doesn't get as much time to play video games and he's really looking for it as just a release from the day-to-day monotony mm-hmm. Adam who is somewhere on that side of things getting closer to like 50 50 on like wanting to win and do really well but still have fun I feel like you're on on the on um, a little bit more on the competitive side while you can be super casual and have fun with it you are looking to do your best every game mm-hmm. and I'm not saying like Adam and Kyle aren't but that's they don't really right. care as much I think but it, for it, me it, like out of out of us four of like the group that we always play with it goes if you're looking at this on a scale like competitiveness and really just interest in esports and whatnot in general like from that viewpoint of video games it's one you to me then uh adam and then kyle obviously right where i have a pretty deep interest in esports and whatnot but i'm also very into casual experiences as well where i'm not gonna just like and neither are you but like i'm not just gonna go and like swanton bomb off the top of my house or anything if i lose like i'm gonna be pissed but i'm gonna be like "Eh, whatever you know like 
one of those things. So with all that, with all that, like, I just feel like it's a really good, it's a really good crossover for all four of us because we all can kind of get a little bit of something different out of it. And that's something that we as a group can have a little bit of difficulty finding mm -hmm. because if we play a game like a game like Halo and, and we're playing four players, like, unfortunately, with the skill based matchmaking that's even prevalent in the Master Chief collection, if we play like a Halo one game, I mean, Adam can hold his own pretty well on Halo one, but he doesn't play anymore. Mm -hmm. But if we play Halo two, you play like sweaty kids that never quit playing Halo two for some reason, even in like social. Yeah. And it's just a nightmare because it's basically one V four because like while you and Adam played Halo two, you didn't play it as serious or take or play it. Like you guys haven't put as much time into it as I have. The um, amount of time so you committed to Halo two is, is kind of in a good way. And I'm saying this in a positive way is quite asinine. Yeah. Like, that I, I was very, I was very jealous of the time commitment. You were able to somehow squeeze out of it. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> that's, that's all I wanted to do with my free time. But every game that we seem to play, it seems like we're constantly stuck in this like purgatory between like tickling my fancy and then tickling like Adam and Kyle's fancy. Cause Adam can be a little bit like he can kind of get into moods with games where like he really enjoys it. But then he can also not be like if he's on a game, he's on. But mm -hmm. if he's like not feeling it, he just there's no way to convince him. Right. And I feel like, you know, with the four of us, it's really hard to find that balance. But I'm just glad that Fortnite has the no building mode permanently because mm -hmm. that's something that we can all just kind of get on. I can have a couple of drinks, loosen up, have a lot more fun with it. And, you know, that way everyone's having fun. Yeah. And I'm going to keep it a buck. I had a, a fucking blast when we played on Friday, uh, all four of us. We played for like four hours, like, yeah, which was which, crazy, which I, if you would ask me in 2022, if I'd be playing Fortnite for four consecutive hours and having a blast like the whole time, it would have I would have I would have told you you're a fucking liar. But I also had a, like you said, it's a great game to just you know, sit down, drink a couple beers with, with your friends. And in my case on Friday, I drank an exceedingly amount that much more than I expected to, but, um, which probably played into my enjoyment of it, but we still were like, I was still playing well, which I was like, man, for being this drunk, like not hammered, but this drunk and playing this well, like I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, but no, like that always is the thing that I try to bring up. Like when we're talking about games that we're playing and whatnot, like, things that we always want to try. There's always those games that we're looking for that could fit in the middle of that Venn diagram that is good for all of us, that this is that overlap that could kind of fill all of the holes that we want them or a game to for us. And, you know, for a long time, it was, uh, you know, Hunt Showdown and uh, even with Kyle, like games like Bigfoot and Phasma and things like that, that, you know, do have some more casual experiences. And, you know, whenever we could get everyone on Overwatch and things like that. But I think Fortnite is that in it. It's a reason why, like, I've kind of always still checked in with it every now and then. Um, and now that it has building out of it, I and it seems like at least from the echo chamber I'm in looking around, a ton of people are very, very positive on the outlook of the game now because of the no building, because that's something that even from a standpoint of, hey, just give us that option to do that outside of it doesn't have to completely you know you don't have to completely remove building but give us that option to play no building that it seems like it's very positive right now but it's it's a game like you said that is very polished and i think it's really a long for a long time you know a lot of people used PUBG as the is the 
very much the, hey, here's the example of what you want to have. You know, the best case scenario, if you're releasing your game in early access, or this is the best example to throw out of early access. And realistically, all the games you did name, Halo Infinite, I very much in, you know, in very much it still was, you know, publicized as a beta. It was the multiplayer beta, but really was, if you ask me, the early access version of that game releasing in November when it released on the 20th anniversary of Halo. That when they put that out there, that to me felt very much like we're in the early access version of this game, given the polish that it had at that time, given the content that was provided. Or lack thereof. Right, and that's what I mean. At, you know, at various levels of what it was, we were getting a peeled back version of that game or not the not the end product. And, you know, there's different degrees to that of why that happened, but, um, but very much so, I think Fortnite is the perfect example for early access, at least at the AAA level. When you're seeing, like, hey, we're going to put this game out. We found something that worked within this game because obviously, you know, the original uh, genesis of that game was, hey, what the fuck is, you know, what the fuck are we going to do with this, um, you know, idea that we've had really at the time before Battle Royale came out, you know, maybe I think it was like five years before that or something like that. You know, what are we going to do? We, you know, Minecraft's catching on. Epic wants to do something involving building and, you know, there had obviously had a lot of success with Horde mode out of Gears before, you know, Gears moved, before they left the IP behind, you know, and kind of combining all that. And then when it regenerate, when they really kind of brought that project back and, you know, got the wheel spinning on it again in, you know, 2016 or so, you know, the Save the World mode that came out with it was kind of that vision and it just didn't work when it was releasing in early access. And when they finally, the battle Royale craze caught on and they wanted to get in on it and granted they weren't the first, but they were very early to do so. And that catching on, they did it. They did it and released it in a way that was, Hey, we're going to, and to an extent they stayed early access much longer than I think they needed to, because it was a way for them to get around, at least from my understanding from a lot of people on the development side that, uh, I've read up on and whatnot. It very much seemed like a way for them to kind of skirt around the uh, the PSN store and the uh, really on Xbox's side there wasn't much uh, much on this end, but on PlayStation side with their storefront, uh, each update that was put out needed to have approval put to it on the store if it was a fully released game. But early access games did not because of the amount of updates that traditionally do come with them. Um, so I think they stayed on there a little bit longer for that reason specifically. But in general, though, that is the game that you look at and say constant update, constant feedback. And it's a polished experience where they didn't take that tag off of until then. And now, granted, it moved over to Unreal Engine or Unreal 5 now. Um, as one of the first games, I think the first game to do it um, in a full, fully released, you know, stance. But I totally agree that that you look at that game and it's so refreshing to play something like that. That is this free to play experience at the at the core of it, but also feel like a totally premium product that if I keep playing this game, I'm going to buy the battle pass. It would be dumb for me to not buy the battle pass if I'm going to play this game for another 30, 40 hours over the next you know, month or so. Uh, if this ends up being that game that, hey, Kyle wants to play, he's available tonight, he wants to play, it's cool, I'm jumping in, I'll play it. Um, that 
I could get in and play that game and I'm going to, if you know, I want to get the most out of it. Sure. I'll throw them five bucks for the battle pass or whatever it is. I, I think I have like 650 V bucks or something left over from two years ago when I bought the battle pass or whatever. Like I still have money left over on it that sure. Why not? I'll pay it. You know, I'll get five bucks in V bucks and I'll buy the battle pass because I'm getting the content out of it. And it feels that's the kind of system you want to have with that, that, Hey, you're buying an early, you know, for early access, at least whenever it was like that. Sure. I was having fun playing Fortnite, even though I wasn't crazy about the building, but is a polished free to play experience. Sure. I'll toss five bucks your way. Or now with a lot of free to play games, even when Halo first launched, like I was still positive. I was feeling positive about this game and I got 170 hours out of it. I didn't feel bad necessarily paying 10 bucks for the battle pass out of it. Like, you know, sure, right now the, where the state of the product is, I'm not very happy with it. I'm probably not going to pay that. But at that point, I was getting, you know, I got, if I got 150 hours out of 10 bucks or whatever, technically, that's a no-brainer for me kind of thing. And that's where I, I really do appreciate from a consumer level as well what Epic is doing with Fortnite. Um, there's just a lot of positives that come out of it now. And realistically, it takes doing something that the community asked for a long time to kind of bring that full circle again. Um, so it's, I'm really excited to see kind of where we go as a group with this. Uh, if this is a game that ends up kind of staying around for a while, because especially too now that Kyle's kind of like picking up on like, okay, I can't just like dick off from them, <laughs> which he yeah. tends to do, which he, you know, he's not necessarily, like you said, the most competitive person when it comes to video games, but he still is able to, when he is like, once we kind of explain stuff to him, he's filling roles in that, even if it is, hey, I got one kill at the end of the day. Cool, that's fine. You're still you're still contributing in some fashion. You're still, hey, you could be the guy who holds, uh, you know, all the health packs, or you could be, you know, you could do X, Y, and Z. Hey, you know, we don't want to drop off this purple shotgun because it might come in handy down the road in case somebody else needs it. Can you double up on shotgun? Like, things like that that may be more of a support role in our squad that, like, is rewarding like there is a purpose it kind of fills that there's a spot that everybody can kind of fill in that and i think that's always super important for what we're looking for but um but outside of that uh, i'm trying to think what else we played we played hunt last night for the first time in a long time that was really fun um on my end we're still plugging molly and i are still plugging away through uh la noir uh i started an, yet another witcher 3 playthrough but i've kind of pumped the brakes on that a little bit because I have a feeling that the next gen patch is go or the next gen upgrade is going to be coming out for that game soon. Um, and I'm still going to play it on PC, but I'll definitely jump in. I own it on <laughs> both PS4 and Xbox. Somehow I ended up getting that. So I own it on three consoles. So I want to jump in and kind of test it all out when that eventually happens. But I definitely am going to still play it on PC because they're still getting all the upgrades as well. Um, but I kind of pumped the brakes on that because I'm like, all right, because when that comes, I'm going to be fully wanting to get back in and invest into that. Uh, but I started playing, picking up uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider again. Molly and I started playing through the rebooted Tomb Raider series last summer. We got through the first one. Both really enjoyed it. Uh, we kind of fell off on Rise just because I forget what other game came out right around the same time that kind of got us off that track playing something else. But I wanted to get back into it. So I started playing that again, really enjoying that. Um it's, you know, realistically, until Uncharted comes out on, and you guys know me as a big, even though this is a Xbox show, and, you know, as an Uncharted fan, 
I love nothing more than third-person action adventure narrative heavy games, and this fits the bill right here. And it's much more of a almost I don't want to say open world, but much more much more expansive uh, take on the Uncharted formula that I really appreciate. It's a nice change of pace from somebody who is a super fan of Uncharted uh, on the PlayStation side to play something like this that's readily available on all consoles now. But um, and I'm excited to jump into Shadow after that. So, uh, Mike, anything else on your end before we get into the show? Games you've been playing? Anything like that you want to touch on? Well, uh, actually, this is kind of topical. Uh, MLB The Show 2K, or I guess 2022. Yes. I guess it's, yeah, MLB The Show 22 came out yes, on Game Pass. So I've been actually playing some of that, too. Um, nice. Just uh, s- s- baseball, again, just like last year, I'll say that, give you the same spiel. Even though I absolutely hate the MLB because my owner is the worst owner in sports, potentially. Um, I guess Dan Snyder's probably worse, uh, to name one. Um, But regardless, um, the Pittsburgh Pirates are just such a pathetic excuse for an organization that I've kind of gotten so jaded by baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm right there with you. But it still is, like, probably my favorite sport when I get out and get to play softball or baseball. It's still probably my favorite sport. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is fun to, like, kind of get to play MLB The Show. And it's a good way to enjoy the sport of baseball. So just been enjoying that. Um, I always like to do a Road to the Show character where I kind of... Now they make it where you can pitch and play the field at the same time. So I've been doing that. It's just been a good time. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that's... I need to get into I didn't get a chance to jump into the show 21 last year because I definitely wanted to play it on uh, my Xbox, considering it's on Game Pass. And, uh, you know, traditionally I'll play it on, you know, one of my Sony consoles, given you know its exclusivity until last year. But um, I really need to jump into it this year because I really, really, really am missing. I'm like you. I love baseball um, and I'm very jaded with the MLB for a lot of reasons, specifically being a Pirates fan, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. Um, so it's, uh, I, I'm really, but at the same time, I've really been wanting to jump in and get back to having that kind of sports game that I can kind of jump into in and out of, uh, just because I've been kind of jaded on a lot of sports games for a long time. Uh, I used to be like you, you know, somebody who every year I'm buying the new NHL, um, you yep. know, just being a huge hockey fan as well. Uh, the NHL games and uh, MLB The Show. Those were the two sports games I bought pretty much every year. And lately I've faded off from the show. I think I had, I got 19 on PlayStation Plus one. Uh, yeah, they, they gave it out on PlayStation Plus as a free game at one point one year uh, in 2019, obviously. Um, but I think that was the last one. The last one I physically bought in store, just looking at my game sitting here, was MLB The Show 16. So it's been a fucking while. Uh, and NHL is probably just as long. Uh, so, uh, but then again, Game Pass, obviously, with EA Play and stuff, has been getting uh, NHL on there a little bit sooner than, you know, I would like it a little bit quicker. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm still able to play it each year when it comes out. But, um, but at the same time, going out and buying them, it's... I want to have that sports game that I can just kind of turn on almost like uh, shredders has been on my end as well. Uh, and I know you've been kind of uh, kind of picking at that a little bit here and there, Mike, um, but playing it on PC and stuff like it's been nice to just pop in there, do a couple of runs just to kind of clear my mind and just relax and turn my brain off for a little bit before we start playing something or I start working on, you know, some of my 
uh, development classes and things like that. It, it's just, it's, it, I want that sports game. And I'm hoping that could be it. Cause I'm like you, I love playing like road to the show and stuff like that and be a pro in NHL. Like that's where I invest in. Like those are the, I love investing in that. And same with like, uh, be a GM mode, uh, GM modes and stuff like that. Like I love that end of it. Uh, the contractual end and team management, things like that. So, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I wanted, I need to jump in and play that. Um, but outside of that, I think that's all I've been playing. I know that kind of seemed like a lot, but I feel like, I don't know. I felt like there was more, but I don't think so. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, let's head into our topics for this week. Um, and this one's hot off the presses. Uh, and But it is very much something I want to make sure that I bring up and talk about because now this now this entity being within the Microsoft um you know, portfolio of studios and acquisitions that they've had, and obviously the biggest acquisition that they've had to date. Um, I think it's really important to talk about, not only from that standpoint, obviously being an Xbox show, but more importantly from how proactive I think both of us are on workers' rights and um, wanting to be pro-worker and, you know, a multitude of things like that, that as our society gets a little more progressive when they're looking at combating, you know, some of these workforce issues that we've been seeing for so long. Um, and for once we have a really positive and I'd like to say, I'm saying really positive because I, I think this is literally one of the, this is might be best case scenario for first steps. That is, I don't think it's obvious. It's not a fix all, but um, cause we're still going to see crunch and whatnot out of it. But this is a great first step, and especially, I think, it was needed, especially from this entity. Uh, and the entity I'm talking about is Activision, Blizzard. Um, they are converting all Q&A, quality assurance, to full-time employees. Um, this comes from Matt Kim over at IGN. As always, link in the description. Go over there, give Matt a click. He does absolutely great news work over at IGN as their lead news uh, reporter. So go over there, give Matt a click, check out all his work. There was an update to the article, but I'll read the original story as well. New details about Activision Blizzard's plans for converting QA testers to full-time employees have emerged. In a statement to Bloomberg, the Raven employees who formed a union earlier this year will not receive, will not receive new pay bumps, quote, due to legal obligations under the new Labor Relations Act. The CWA responded to Activision's claims, claiming the move, quote, galling that Activision has excluded Raven Software QA uh, workers who have been at the forefront of the effort from these benefits. Activision responded to Kotaku by citing Labor Board uh, versus Exchange Parts Company 375 US. Yada, yada, you could go pull that up. Um, which states uh, employers could violate the National Labor Relations Act if they confer economic benefits on its employee employees for the purpose of inducing them to vote against the union. So obviously a couple little tanglements that they need to work out because that's bullshit. Um, but I'll kind of read the original story because the original story is very much, I think, a good step in the right direction. Activision Blizzard has announced that it will be converting nearly 1,100 U.S.-based temporary and contingent QA workers to full-time positions. The company says that the change will increase Activision Publishing's total full-time staff by 25% following a recent conversion of nearly 500 contractors uh, to full-time employees. 
However, some dozen QA team members at Raven's uh, Software were not part of the transition, leading to a walkout at the studio. Along with the move to full-time, QA workers will have their hourly rate increased to $20 per hour and be able to partake in the company's bonus plan and have access to full-time benefits, which is huge. Activision Publishing COO John Taub and head of Blizzard Mike Yabara both sent emails to staff uh, today announcing the change, both cite that, uh, the need to support ongoing and live games as a reason for the change. Quote, during the last two years, Call of Duty has expanded and evolved. Our development cycles have gone from an annual release to an, quote, always-on uh, model, said Top. In response to greater engagement, we've, re in, we've increased our live service businesses across all platforms. In light of these changes, and as we look to our ambitious plans for the future, we are further refining how our development teams work together. In a separate email, Yabara told Blizzard staff, quote, Our ability to deliver great games at the Blizzard quality level, quote-unquote, our players expect, is vital to ensuring we exceed players' expectations. Over the last six months, I've had the opportunity to listen and engage with members of our QA team, and we've had several meetings where I outlined my philosophy about contract slash full-time roles. The move follows growing unionization efforts across Activision Blizzard. First, with the A Better ABK uh, Workforce Alliance, uh, worker, a, collector, a workers collective that has organized various walkouts across the company in support of better working conditions. The Raven QA employees also formed Blizzard's very first union earlier this year. So, obviously, like we were saying for a long time, Mike, uh, talking about workers' rights, uh, and pro-worker and uh, unionization probably being pretty necessary at this point in the games industry, given all the crunch and whatnot. Um, this is a great step forward, in my opinion. Um, it obviously isn't the end-all, be-all, right answer, yada, yada, but as shitty as it is with where our society is right now, at least when we look at from a workplace standpoint and the this still old guard that is very much in the idea of more for less and yada yada it's this is a good move this is a good i don't want to say compromise but this is a good first action from a studio and an entity that needs as much good actions and change as possible and obviously you know the microsoft acquisition you got to imagine with how deep microsoft's pockets are right now that doesn't hurt um, to be able to do that and bring them, you know, obviously add to this. But I guess, Mike, what off the cuff you're looking at this, what kind of taste is this put in your mouth right now? What kind mm -hmm. of like, where do you kind of sit now as we really start to, you know, crack open this can of worms that is Activision Blizzard, all the shitty things that have come out of there, all the horrible workplace conditions, all the, you know, moves that were, Basically, and granted, we're still talking about business, businesses at the end of the day, but very much so the bottom line is all that matters, even when it comes to the quality of the product and even more importantly, where their employees are from a you know, mental and physical standpoint and their well-being. You know, where's this kind of sitting now on the track of where we're going with this? Yeah, um, there's a lot of moving parts to this story that give me a lot of different um, opinions. Mm -hmm. I will say that obviously something that I've always been pretty critical of or a huge proponent of is development studios expanding their QA process in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been on record saying, you know, 343 and Halo wouldn't have had these problems if the game was properly, you know, quality tested. Now I know the game's supposed to be early access, whatever, like using 
Halo fans who have been waiting six years for a game that has been hyped up because it has the biggest budget in history isn't a proper way to QA test your game. I'm sorry, it's just not. Um, so Blizzard moving in this direction is a positive because you're going to get a lot more games that are going to have a lot more polish. And I think all the rumblings finally coming from all the fans because there's been a lot of people who have you know talked a lot of shit about game dev studios and how bad the games are that are coming out and how the fuck is this even possible that these games are coming out when they're this bad a game like cyberpunk comes to mind halo infinite comes to mind um even i guess battlefield 2042 was absolute dog shit on release um still is how are these games with these big of budgets from these developers coming out and they're so bad? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. Crunch, um, just workplace culture. But moreover, the games just aren't properly being tested. And people and game development studios just really didn't give a fuck because people were buying them anyway. Mm -hmm. And it seems like people are finally like putting a stop to that. Like people aren't buying the games as much um, that are really bad. People aren't, you know standing for this bullshit anymore which is great because you're gonna get a lot better games out of the games develop like the games industry mm -hmm. with this type of move but i think a lot more studios uh namely 343 should be taking note of this but also on the flip side um this is a kind of a way that like it's kind of a dirty business tactic because on the surface it sounds like a win, 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 win for everybody, right? Like, oh my God, they're going to get benefits. They're going to get this. They're going to get that, which, you know, is, and the reason why I think it's kind of like a backhand, backhanded thing is because the original people who were trying to unionize are now disincluded from this benefits right. change because, you know, oh, there's some loophole that says, this is a, in a way union busting because it kind of is, mm -hmm. you don't know what kind of negotiations were coming from whatever union they were going to start. Um, the union that was going to start was going to start a ton of different things. Not only is it going to give you benefits and higher pay because you're going to be a union. It's also going to fight for worker rights. And then in the notion of less um, like less crunch, it's going to fight um, you know, working ungodly hours over vague or over holidays for no reason because you're like held to a higher or you're held against your will because you know you're a contract employee and they'll just find another one. Mm -hmm. Um, so those types of qualms still aren't solved by this because now that you're going to be a full time employee at only $20 an hour and benefits, now all of a sudden they're using, um, like. Med Medicare and Obamacare kind of against workers because that kind of made it to where employers didn't have to offer full benefits. Mm -hmm. Like now em employees have to help pay for those benefits. And now these workers who $20 an hour is obviously better than minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're going to be given a position where they're going to have health benefits, maybe for the first time in their life. Yeah. Um, and just like what happens with a lot of people, especially out of college who are now becoming 26 or whatever, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be hostage to the benefits. Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of companies have weaponized against the working force and the working force at a lot, a lot of turns. I know my parents don't understand that, mm -hmm. but the working force has been being, 
held hostage by benefits for a long time. And this is a case in point where maybe the union could have gotten you better benefits and things of that nature. But now there's going to be enough people that are going to jump on the full time train because they need it. They need the benefits Mm -hmm. that you're never going to hear what the union was actually going to offer. And this is just typical of a big business like Microsoft really wanting to union bust because if there were unions, there's bad unions, there's good unions, there's people that are on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, having one voice is generally going to be better than a million disgruntled employees Mm -hmm. and having someone collectively bargain for you. um, At the time you might be upset because you might think you got sold up the river, Mm -hmm. but it's like whenever people act as a unit, they're a lot more strong than when they're by themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on one hand, it's a it's a mega positive. On the other hand, I still f- see this as like a net negative because this is a change in one company's practices, and it's not gonna like confirm that any other business is gonna follow suit. There's no reason for any other business to follow suit if they don't want to. Essentially, mm-hmm. no, definitely, and I totally agree with that. I, I like I said. This isn't the end all be all. There's still a lot that needs to be solved with this because and namely, first and foremost, the bullshit that's going on with Raven Software. And the fact that the QA development team who led was one of the leaders in pushing this initiative to make sure that, you know, hey, if you're working at Blizzard, you are at uh with you know, within QA, which is typically the low I don't want to say the lowest point but it is typically one of the first rungs that you enter if you're entering game development for the first time and you're not truly you know in software development it is very much at times a, a position that is a foot in the door position and that is taken advantage of for a lot of people and as somebody who works in an industry that you know Loves unpaid interns. Yeah, like I'm trying to say it in a nice way, but it's true. I've been very vocal about that, that in an industry that also doesn't necessarily, you know, tries to take advantage of the industry themselves and what they are at times um, and uses that to, you know, some of the employee or uses it in a manipulative way. I think this is at least, you know, I think, the fact that the team that was a part of this movement to get that to happen doesn't even get recognition with that or, oh, it's because of loopholes and this and that. Fuck that. Figure it out. Like, that's... You're leaving yourself open for another can of worms. But I do agree, though, at the basis of all of this, this is a really good step in the right direction. There's at least progress being made. And you're also seeing now, too, that walkouts, strikes, and the idea of workforce empowerment works. Like, saying something when you see something or saying something that needs to be, you know, talking about things that need to be addressed and bringing things that need to be addressed, not just the mindset of, oh, it's work, it's it's blah, 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 you need to deal with this or shut up and deal with it or blah. No, the fact that 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 sh- this shows you right there that that works like the process of unionization to a degree whether it's actually in a formal way or just the practice of coming together as a union for the greater good of your workforce that you're in those things work strikes work walkouts work all these things they work and this is proof at the corporate level that 
the fact that you have to make that much noise to begin with is fucking atrocious um, because these are some things that I think should just be handled right off the bat. But it at least now helps set a bar that a lot of QA positions now are becoming remote, which helps. And I'm sure that plays into it where, you know, they, you know, I'm sure their hiring staff is able to take advantage of that. And I'm not saying that's right, but, you know, it's, it's, they're probably not, a lot of people now in a QA position don't necessarily have to be confined to California and the cost of living there and whatnot, where $20 an hour could get you a lot further in Ohio than California, if you're doing that, um, you know, or even Arizona or whatever, like you don't have to necessarily uproot your life to go and do that. It is much more of a feasible position to get into. Um, but the bait, but the basis that there is at least, at least, Hey, a minimum $20. I'm sure there are people that are obviously in QA leads and who are senior QA testers or whatnot that have been there for a longer time or making more than $20 an hour. But at least having that basis there of, hey, you're getting more than a little, you're actually getting a, a quote unquote livable wage out of this period if you're coming and working for us in QA. Um, and the fact of making all of those employees con or from that were contracted into full time and also adding benefits. But like you said, they're using that almost as a carrot on the stick to kind of entangle a lot of younger, like our generation into who are very much suffering probably the most out of anybody in the workforce right now over jobs uh, experience the pay wage gap and whatnot like it's just i agree that it's going to be a little it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how this kind of all is handled from the standpoint of is this all fluff now or is this going to be something that microsoft truly does you know kind of grab the reins and actually take over and actually fully write the shit. I don't want to say fully write the shit, but more so actually appropriately handles this for the long haul. Um, I'm curious when the deal finally settles with them, is there going to be the issues with Raven worked out? Like, and I mean, really the injustice, if you ask me, um, like you were saying, that's, it's, it's, it's so weird that you just, for some reason, we can't have an actual, like, like, I think this is a positive story overall, but at the same time, you can't have, like, I don't even think this is a have a cake, have your cake and, you know, eat it too kind of thing. Like, this is just, it's just bullshit. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's just bullshit. And maybe that's not right to say, but to me, it seems very obvious that it's just bullshit. Like, that... I don't know. It, it just, it boggles my mind that, you know, it, it, everything that that, that team had, you know, fought for, for such a long time that it's just not thrown out and in the wind because once the ball gets rolling on this stuff, as long as it's kept up with it, it's, it's not going to stop rolling. Um, you know, progress needs to keep making for, you know, pushing forward. And just like I said, for a lot of people, you know, whether it's elected officials or whatnot, you know, especially in the U.S., like, a lot of people say a lot of things to get you to vote for them or people in positions of power within the workforce or anything like that. Cool. Hold their fucking feet to the fire. Like, okay, they're doing this, they're in this position, or they're doing X, Y, and Z, and you believe in them for this position, or you want to buy into this system? Cool. Hold their fucking feet to the fire. Like, cool, they did this, but it's not done yet. 
keep pushing forward and make sure that they keep staying accountable for things like this, where you need to have a livable wage. You know, nobody, nobody, if you ask me personally, nobody who's working 40 hours a week in general, I don't care what field or what profession you're in, nobody working 40 hours a week should be below the poverty line. I don't think, I, personally. Like, I, I think there should be the ability, if you are putting in the time commitment and you are fucking working 40 hours a fucking week, because there are a lot of people who work less than that and do a lot less shit and get paid a lot of money, you should not be, you should be above the poverty line. Or you should, you know, you shouldn't be below the poverty line, I should say. And positions like this, unfortunately, sometimes we're fucking in there. And it, it was, it's just fucking horseshit. But what do you think the next move, I guess, Mike, is now that I've rambled on long enough? Where does this go from here? What is the next step that needs to kind of be taken then for this? And even so, like I said, as Microsoft is fully going to step in here and hopefully get people like Bobby Kotick fully out of there, because it sounds like that's going to be the case um, long term. Um, what what does Microsoft, I guess, need to do to make sure or now that they have the financial backing of Microsoft and Microsoft is going to oversee them? What needs to be done to really, truly make this worthwhile, I guess, from this standpoint and to where people can look at this and say, Microsoft didn't just pick up a tainted product too. Like this is a good investment long-term, obviously all the IP you're getting, but there's still a reason why we see value in Activision outs. And there is a reason why we want to invest in them because we wanted to make a better workforce culture, you know, workplace culture, because at the end of the day, the, you know, the people who make the games are what's important because, you know, at the end of the day, happy employees lead to better products and things like that. Like, if you're well taken care of, if I have more of an incentive, you know, to I let's put it this way. Me personally, if I'm getting paid more and I'm getting incentivized more to do better and being treated well, that means I'm going to do more, you know, do more work and be, you know, want to put a greater emphasis on the quality that I'm putting into it, at least. So I don't know. What do you think, I guess, from Microsoft standpoint, do you see this going? Yeah, um, there's some different ideas that pop into my mind. I think Microsoft is starting to realize that the, I guess the old way that they were doing things really isn't sufficient. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that, I guess maybe it does. Cause there's a lot of people on the internet that argue otherwise, but nevertheless, obviously Halo Infinite's a failure. And a lot of people have a lot of reasons for why that game is as bad as it is. And, um, I think a lot of people have kind of pointed at the fact that outside of, a, it seems like outside of a few people, the team is so transient. There's always people coming and going and there's always a shuffle between employees and things of that nature that obviously the old way of hiring contractors to do this menial work just isn't going to give you a quality product. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the way it is. And I know it's the way that every company does it because it's a lot cheaper to contract people from outside of the United States to do their work. But the fact of the matter is if you're putting $500 million into a video game. Like you got to support it with quality employees. I feel like, mm -hmm. and seeing this change in blizzard and seeing the difference, I guess go going forward, Microsoft should start trying to hold 
a lot more of their studios accountable for the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. A small indie development team, I could see having a little bit of trouble offering something like this. But 343, which is supposed to be, you know, the mega conglomerate game developer for Microsoft that develops its baby, Mm -hmm. just operates it's such a shitty in such a shitty manner and it shows with each one of their products just sucks like there was servers down for mcc for like two days and it took them almost 48 hours to get a response out for their servers being down like this shit is just absolutely unacceptable there is no little to no server maintenance done with um halo infinite as well as mcc and obviously halo wars 2 has had its fair share of issues so there's just been so much going on with 343 with how bad that studio is. And I know it's it's an easy target, but, like, I'm just going to keep beating the shit out of it until they make me stop. Like, it's just so bad. But hopefully all this change inside of Blizzard and Activision will lead them to start hopefully pushing some of their other development studios to do the same because there's just no excuse for it. If you can spend $500 million on your video game, Mm-hmm. You can spend money to have full-time employees with benefits that are there to fix your fucking mess that you made with a bunch of contractors that obviously it's it's so bad. I don't know where you go from here, mm-hmm. but like 343 should be the poster child for what happens when you just operate as cheaply as possible while spending the most money that's ever been spent on a video game. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they're they're kind of like burning the candle at both ends. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, it's that meme of the dude who's, like, trying to figure out what which button to push. It's, like, spend the most money ever on a game and also while also spending the least amount of, like, monetary value on a game. Of all right. Time. Um, no, and I and I definitely... I, I see where you're coming from with that, where it's... Where I definitely think this needs... To, it, it. I think Microsoft does see the bigger picture a lot with what they want to do with these acquisitions where I think they understand that they're in the, in a position that's really akin to only a few different entities in gaming, like Nintendo, like, um, you know, really, I mean, I would say Sony too, because gaming really is Sony's probably biggest entity now at this point, uh, within their, you know, uh, branches of their, uh, of the company overall. But, they're really Microsoft's getting to the point where they are really in an interesting position like Nintendo, where they have stockpiles of cash. They have a lot of assets on hand that they could, you know, really provide that, Hey, here's a blank check in a way, like take your time. Um, you know, and we're even seeing that with, you know, what we talk kind of, well, I guess what I talked about the week that, uh, I did the show solo that, uh, with what's going on with the initiative and perfect dark and crystal dynamics and kind of all playing into that of, you know, they're even showing that, hey, we're potentially soft rebooting this game. That's fine. We need the game to be right, though. Um, and, you know, I think I think definitely there was a, some disconnect with 343, to say the least, of, you know, what's going on with this game, not to mention also being built on older hardware and, you know, hardware that wasn't necessarily probably what their largest base was going to be with, you know, PC and whatnot. Um you know, it's on that end, it's frustrating to say the least, but it gives you a good idea of where this could pivot from them on understanding and looking at kind of the obvious issues that 343 even came had from a, a logistic standpoint with the amount of contracted work that they did. 
Um, you know, hopefully this is a good step in the right direction for a large entity in gaming that is similar to 343. You know, only Activision Blizzard on obviously a bigger you know scale or whatnot that shows that, hey, there's a reason why Microsoft invested into it. Um, why we think this is a good purchase, why we see that there's value still here, yada, yada. And more importantly, at the end of the day, buying into employees and showing them and treating them like, you know, I don't want to say treating others like you should be treated or you would want to be treated. But at the end of the day, that is kind of the basis of it, of if you show respect to your employer employees, you, you know, actually go, uh, I don't want to say go above and beyond, but, treat them with the financial respect that they deserve and the, you know, I get, I don't know how exactly to say it, but you treat them as you would hope to be treated as employees. And so in a rightful way that at the end of the day, that's going to want to, like I said, I know me personally, if I'm treated as a human being and I'm treated with respect, both financially, uh, both as just a peer or a coworker, uh, and I'm in an environment that respects me appropriately, that's going to make me want to produce my best work. That's going to want to make me be, you know, the best possible professional me of that there is. Um, that makes me want to invest in the culture. It makes me want to stay at that company for a long time, not have to worry about necessarily being sexually harassed, not worrying about, uh, am I going to be able to put fucking food on the table for my family this week? Um, because I'm, you know, one, not only was I w working 70 hours this week, but they're also, they also cut our pay again, yet again, or they're contracting, you know, or now I'm not working as much because the, my contract ran out with, uh, with XYZ developer and whatnot. So I just really hope that this is more so like you said, not, it is kind of backhanded because you see the issues that Raven's having still with getting this under under wraps and I shouldn't say under wraps, but like getting them involved in this and appropriately compensated as well. But I hope this is a good pivot point and a good starting point that we can look back on and say, okay, this is where the change in direction started to go. Um, that, you know, workers rights matter and unionization and prioritization of these issues and bringing them to the full front, those are, these things work. Um, so I hope that is an example at the end of the day, and we see it as that, um, compared to the opposite, obviously, where, hey, we're back again doing jack shit <laughs> about these problems. So, Mike, let's head into our last news article real quick, and mostly I want to just talk about, or I guess I should say big topic that I'm just going to obviously pull a little bit from, from news article, but mostly just kind of where we see Ubisoft right now. And this is obviously kind of base level, but I, uh, we got sources are coming out saying that there was a new ghost recon in development. Uh, and this kind of stems off of Ubisoft announcing that they're ending, uh, support and updates for ghost recon breakpoint, uh, that I know probably a lot of you did not play. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I know Mike didn't. Um, I did want to play wildlands when it came out. I, I think you played that. Didn't you Mike? No. Oh, I thought had like the best trailer of all time. True. Per usual with Tom Clancy games, but then the games suck. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, point being, they're moving away from that, obviously, with the whole NFT controversy that was coming with that. Um, but it is being reported now that a new Ghost Recon is in development. So I'll uh, at least start off uh, giving you some of the 
rundown with the Kotaku article from Ethan Gotch, as always, link in the description. Ghost Recon Breakpoint has officially received its last update, Ubisoft announced yesterday. The news comes just a few months after the publisher's disastrous experimentation with adding NFTs to the game, and we have learned as its Paris studio works on the next mainline entry of the Ghost Recon series, according to two sources familiar with its development. Quote, the last four months marked the release of our final piece of content, the brand new Operation Motherland mode. Tons of new items, including 20th anniversary icon iconic outfits and quartz uh, items for Ghost Recon Breakpoint, the publisher wrote in its announcement of the game's wrapping up. We will continue to maintain our service for both Ghostly Ghost Recon's Wildland and Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and we truly hope you will continue to enjoy the game and have fun playing in solo or co-op with your friends. The next Ghost Recon code named Over and originally leaked by NVIDIA has been in development for over a year and could arrive as early as next physical or the physical year of 2023. So yeah, next fiscal year. Sources tell Kotaku, uh, instead of teasing that project as part of the series 20th anniversary last year, however, Ubisoft revealed development of Ghost Recon uh, Frontland, yet another free-to-play live service shooter deeply reminiscent of Call of Duty Warzone. Fans were less than optimistic, and following negative feedback from an internal playtest earlier this year, Kotaku understands the project to be undergoing a reset and is unlikely to launch anytime soon. So, kind of just setting that, Mike, and you kind of talked about it as well when they announced um, the... Uh, Mobile uh, Siege! Yeah. Mobile Siege! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I was blanking on it, but yes, that uh, Ubisoft announced... Uh, that a mobile version of Rainbow Six is coming out. Um, that, what is it? Rainbow Six Mobile, I believe it's called. Oh, no, it's not Rainbow Six. Oh, it isn't? I Well, it, they might be calling it, but it's not. Right, right. It's, it's Siege. Yes, it's basically Siege Mobile. And I have, to be honest, I haven't even looked at it because I just saw, I saw it was announced and I just got irritated. Um, and not that I personally don't have any issue with mobile games. I really don't. Like, because at the end of the day, if that's how people want to engage in gaming content, cool. I'm not going to stop them. I don't fucking care. But it's mostly from the extent of Ubisoft traditionally and same with, and really just, I, I want to say, most modern AAA third-party publishers tend to go in, but I see it mostly with Ubisoft, I think, to the greater extent, where they hold all the cards in their hand for what could be done really well, uh, what people want. Um, you traditionally, like fans like me, asking for a new Splinter Cell, which, granted, we're getting a remake of Splinter Cell down the road. That's great. Awesome. Um, you know, more Splinter Cell content's great, but I'm glad we're finally getting in an actual game, and it took that long to kind of come to fruition. And knock on wood, we got to see if that actually does at the end of the day. Um, but the fact that we were seeing so many fans be vocal about, hey, we'd love to see this. Hey, we'd love to see this. Hey, we'd love to see this. And it's returned with, you know what you'd really love to see? A mobile version of this game. Siege mobile. Or, you know what you'd love to see? That character you want so bad? In Rainbow Six Siege. And I'm a fan of Siege. I, I love Siege, personally. Um, but, you know, I don't want DLC for another game that ties in another, this character or this IP that I want or something like that. Where do you see Ubisoft right now? And obviously this is top level because we're on the back end of the show, but more so from when we're looking at this right now, because we're eventually going to be heading into obviously the summer of games here. Uh, or 
summer summer games fest as uh you know jeff Keeley calls it um and the summer of game announcements that's what i was looking to say and it sounds like ubisoft is also planning to do yet another um another one of their showcases obviously to announce all of the stuff coming out and potentially we get we'll get to see some of the things we don't know about yet but where do you see heading you like as somebody who has a lot of you know love for ubisoft long term where we both have a lot of interest in rainbow six from a long time back ghost recon splinter cell um you know games like that that we had a lot of great memories with ubisoft and i still have you know continued to play ubisoft games for you know still to this day where are you at right now in your head with ubisoft heading into really this summer where we could kind of see truly the unveiled look at what they're kind of working with next gen now yeah, I'm I wouldn't even know I wouldn't know that I would say I'm a Ubisoft fan per se. Um I guess a little bit cuz Rainbow Six 3 was on it, mm-hmm. but uh the games that I loved were made by Redstorm Entertainment. Um I mean, I guess they're swallowed up by Ubi, but it's been a long time since we saw anything good come out of Ubisoft in the Rainbow Six sphere. Um, they've been really riding Ghost Recon for a long time. And then when they do come out with a new Rainbow Six, it's like Lockdown, which was really bad. And then they come out with Siege, which is like, I mean, they're just trying to capitalize on like the Overwatch MOBA thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that to a certain extent. But at the same time, I still have beef with Siege because I was someone who bought the game when it first released. And because I bought the game when it was first released and didn't wait a whole year, I missed out on like, a bunch of free operators. Um, basically, if you buy the game now, you get all the op. Like, if you spend sixty bucks on the game, which is what I spent, you get all the operators for free almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I don't. So I like have no operators because I'm not spending my fucking money. Like, mm-hmm. I already gave you sixty. Everyone else that buys it now gets it. Like, go fuck yourself, type thing. So you can't trust Yves. You can't trust a guy with the first name Yves. So that's where I'm at with Ubisoft. I'm not a big fan of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely getting worse and worse on my list because waking up to an email of, oh, guess what? Siege Mobile coming out soon. Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, teach, like I said, teach their own if there's somebody who one wants to wants to truly get into gaming or is interested in playing these games. And Hey, I don't have either the time or the finance to be able to fully invest in getting a console, a PC, whatever. This is the device that I can play on. Sure. That's great. I, like I said, I don't have any issue on people being interested in mobile games or that's how they get their content. Totally understandable. Totally fine. I don't have an issue with that to each their own, but I I don't mean to come at mobile gamers. When I say that, I mean to come at Ubisoft as being a as excuse for like oh well we can't come out with another assassin's creed within the next six months because that cow's milked but in six months it'll be ready so we'll come out with something then with another fucking assassin's creed this time it'll be goddamn trying to stop john wilkes booth from headshotting fucking abe lincoln in the back of the head or some dumb shit like i don't care like just make a game that's not just trying to like i'm just so sick of being milked by game development studios that's what it comes down to i'm just sick and tired of it and ubisoft's one of the fucking worst with this like ea is obviously the worst followed closely by 343 and ubisoft i'm just so sick of being fucking milked i got no more milk left man i'm an old cow put me down or fucking give me something good like goddamn sorry at least give me my last give me my final meal before you put me down sorry bissy 
Unfortunately, <laughs> girl. <laughs> Literally, old fucking yeller me. I don't care, but give me something good before I get old yeller. Give me that steak dinner, and then you can old yeller me, and I'll fuck off. <laughs> if we weren't... Now, granted, YouTube is not, obviously, our biggest platform that we're on. We're very much heavy on the audio listener side compared to video. But, uh, damn, if we weren't going to get monetized before, the John Wilkes Booth mentioned might actually be the thing that demonetizes. Not that it's, trust me, I mean, that's a part of history. We got to talk about it, but <laughs> I could definitely see if that's what does us in, or if that doesn't do us in, anything won't at that point. Let's just start talking about Nazis and shit, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, I totally agree that it's, it's mostly, it's not necessarily that, hey, we're giving you this content. It's mostly that we're providing this content instead of, we're wanting it's it's yet again the hey we want player feedback we want we're here for the players yada 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 where it's not consumer friendly or i don't want to say consumer friendly but consumer focused in the sense of hey not to the like oh if it ain't broke don't fix it it's mostly hey this is broke we're looking for this instead why don't you tweak this make this happen okay you know what would be good you know you know what's an appropriate response to that a mobile game or you know what's an appropriate response to that a season pass like Start with the basis. There's issues at the basis of these products. There's a reason why, uh, what is it? Hyperspace or whatever. What was the fucking uh, BR that they came out with like a year ago and didn't even last a year and it was already axed? Like, look at that. There's cool ideas with it because like they had the cool ideas of Twitch, uh, Twitch implementation with content creators and whatnot with that. But like, there's a reason why it failed because it was doing a lot of things that nobody asked for and nobody wanted. Like, and it just wasn't that great because they weren't taking a lot of player feedback in on it. And it's like, okay, there's a reason why now you're looking at and you're having so many issues with the the Call of Duty Warzone equivalent that you're putting out under Tom Clancy that you're wanting to do with Ghost Recon. Like, there's a reason why that's probably, you know, having a lot of issues getting out, getting the fucking bus out of the parking lot on this one. It's like, like fucking, it's like trying to go race the Daytona 500 or the Indy 500 with a goddamn, like, jalopy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, you're you're uh, attaching all these sick ideas to just a losing product yeah. because it's just so silly. Like, you're trying to race the Indy 500 with a car that's all run down and beat to shit, but it has a spoiler on it. And the spoiler is like the good idea that you included in the game. But unfortunately, it's set up for failure because it's attached to just a piece somebody, of shit. Like somebody cover. drives right out in their fucking 99 Malibu. <laughs> Literally with a little spoilie yeah. on it. And they think like, and some cool rims. And they're like, yeah, guys, we're going to win. Literally no, you're not. <laughs> the equivalent of big gulps, eh? Well, see you later. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And then Ubisoft and other game developers like cry wolf. They're like, we don't know why these games are failing. <laughs> it's not really like, and it's, my thing is, I know it's not on the development end. I know it's not on the development end because that it's never on the development end with a lot of these large scale studios where, or large scale publishers, I should say, that are third party. Because it's more so about directive on, that's the whole reason you look at Activision and why an EA why there was so much just just fucking toxicity around the idea of those entities from a consumer standpoint is because it all comes down to the dollar at the end of the day and it's positioned to be focused around the dollar and getting it's it's more so about casting the net and making the net as big as possible and wide as possible and not focused on the actual size of the fucking holes in the net like yeah you're casting a net as wide as possible 
but there's also a reason why the swisher or the fi fish are able to swim right through it like you're not focused on you're more focused on actually like they're putting the cart in front of the horse you know it, it, it's just but it's not i know i know it's not from a development standpoint because at the end of the day there's directives that are being put down on, oh, this game needs to be on six different platforms. Oh, this game needs to have some monetiz monetization, you know. Uh, it VR. Right. It has Why? to have VR. Right. Anyway. I'm nothing against VR gamers. I'm not trying to, I'm not out here trying to talk shit on mobile gamers and, and VR gamers. But, like, there's games that are good for that, and there's games yeah. that just aren't. Right. There's experiences that are tailored for that, and there's experiences that are very much, uh, you know, very much curtain, you know, curtain hold into like, we're just going to make this work. Like we're going to, we're going to just twist it. It's like, it's a square peg through a circle hole. Like you're just banging it in there. Like, yeah, it'll fit. Like, no, <laughs> no. Anyways, though, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Cause we've gone through and just vented and, uh, kind of aired our grievances enough. I think with Ubisoft, they're dead. Just <laughs> what, what's the quote from, simpsons he's already dead he's already dead yeah. uh but then again i'm also gonna boot up siege at some point and i'm also gonna play the newest assassin's creed because i'm just you know i'm just like that you're gonna stop the fucking assassination attempt yeah i, I i'm gonna apu jump that's in front of the bullet be. yeah that's what it's gonna be <laughs> they're running out of other history timelines to try to alter yeah fucking a man Ugh. John Wilkes Booth, Jesus. Before we even continue down that road, after we, now that we're at the end of this episode, Mike, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet to talk about everything we talked about? And obviously, John Wilkes Booth, I guess, at this point. Where can people find you to talk about all the nerdy shit we talked about today on the show? Uh, you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier, or you can find me where the bluebird sings at T O Y S X L D I E R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, aka Travelus, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T R A V L E S S underscore. You'd also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And you want to play some video games with me on all platforms pretty much at this point, uh, specifically Xbox Live, you can do so at just regular old Travelist. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. -S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch two episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all of their major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get a podcast at, and let us know if we need to get on a platform that you listen to and we're not on. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And with that being said, Mike, before we talk about other assassinations in our history, our nation's history, that's going to do it for our episode this week. So thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.